0: Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Music Is Not A Genre's PotFast. Where's it coming from this time? I can't... Oh, look at this. We're friends now. It's giving me a place to rest my arms. Well, that's nice. I guess you can just, you know, stay here while I do... Oh. Okay, never mind. All right. Little insouciance there. That's fine. This is PodFast 12. Dirty Dozen. And today's topic, we're just going to get right into it because it's a PodFast and because I don't do all that spiel in in the beginning of these anymore. Anyway, the topic is Yin is secretly into Yang, the love fest inside the protest. So other than that being super duper clever, what does it mean? Well, you can probably guess. Hopefully you can. I don't know. We all have music we absolutely love. But then we all have those artists and genres and songs that we just hate. We cannot stand. It creates this gut reaction where we just stick our tongue out and want to gag. And those are the artists we're talking about. Because that is an actual... Emotional connection to the music, whether we like it or not, that is a connection. It's a connection that's uncomfortable. It's a connection that we don't understand, but it creates a response in us, which means we are connected to it. Hatred is as much a connection to something or someone or some ideology or whatever it is as love is. And that's what we're talking about today. And the disclaimer here is we're not talking about indifference. There's a big difference between hatred and indifference. We know this, but I want to explain it because let's think of it this way. You hear a song or an artist or even a full genre, if that's the case, where you're like, eh, yeah, it's okay there's no connection there. There's absolutely no emotional connection. So there's no hatred. So there's no, no, no response in you. Now you can eventually get to the point where a response is generated by that. If you listen to it enough, if you dive into it, it's what I often say about, uh, albums in particular, but also songs where, especially if it's a song you don't know, you've never heard before or an artist you've never heard before, give it some time Uh, listen to it more than once, and if after three, four times you still don't have a reaction, then it's not for you. But I will say this, if it generates a reaction, whether that is love or hate, and, and, and the interesting thing about that is I find that hate, when it comes especially to art, Happens more quickly than love. Uh, you can have this immediate response to something where the sound just, it hits you in a certain way or the singer's voice or the style in general to the point where you're like, that is just not, that. That that is not for me. I can't stand it. Whereas with love, you can absolutely have that response. There are certain kinds of music where you're predisposed to loving it because it reminds you of other things. That happened to me with uh, Block Party back in, I guess, 2004, where I had never heard that band before. It was the brand new album. But it sounded so much like stuff from the early 80s, but with a 2000s kind of spin to it, that I had this immediate love response to it. So that does happen. But I contend that love in all forms, but especially in in art, takes time. I believe that's quoting a song, right? Yeah. To to heal when you're hurting so bad. And what I mean by that is you don't always know what's inside of something until you get inside of it. So that, that first surface reaction might be indifference. But then you absorb it and listen to it, you understand it better. And understanding is where a lot of that love comes. That's because it's creating a connection. Then it, it takes time to ge- generate and germinate and all of that. And that's where that connection comes in. But we're going to set all those aside because I don't need to convince you to love something you already love. I, I would like to convince you to give time to things you're indifferent to to determine whether or not you can or do or will love that thing, whatever it may be, whether it goes even beyond music. But again, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the famous quote from Hamlet, Queen Gertrude, the lady doth protest too much, methinks," which we bastardize and change all around to suit our needs. And I think that's an important thing to do with this particular quote, because what it's saying is, what my subtitle was saying—the love fest inside the protest—you hate something so much, you're so against it, you're so protesting, you're just vocal about it, and you—oh my god, it's really getting to you because of that connection that you don't understand and makes you uncomfortable and you don't particularly like. So, what we're going to explore briefly, because freaking podfast, right? It are, are a few examples of those from my own experience. And then, and ones that I have triumphed over, and ones that I'm still struggling with, whatever that I know, you know, I know, but there is a connection there. And then uh, I'm going to extrapolate that to other fields, etc., and kind of the general idea. And then I'm going to ask you a question or two that I hope you, you know, give me some comments back towards because I'd love to know the things you hate, and I love to know the things you love. And then we're done. That's it. That's that's the the whole nut right here. So. There are a few, I'll, I'll go first, genres of music that uh, I have really never been able to get into. But before I do that, I'm going to give you an example of something that I, I want to say this is more of an example of something I was indifferent to that I ended up loving. And that is back in the 90s. Uh, Pearl Jam comes out, Nirvana comes out. I really swung more towards Pearl Jam immediately for whatever reason uh and Nirvana I was less impressed with but then I spent time with Nirvana I spent time with the music and I grew to love it as much as I I did Pearl Jam at the time especially so okay not not a perfect not a perfect example but there are other examples of artists where you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't have great examples of times where I was able to overcome that visceral dislike of something. I think that is a great illustration of I have work to do as well, right? I know there are things in life that have made me uncomfortable, whether it was originally like when I was in my teens and early twenties, I couldn't stand tomatoes uh, in any form. I didn't even like tomato sauce. I might've had it on pizza, but you know, pizza's a special thing and 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 i I couldn't I hated them, right, it wasn't that I was indifferent to them, and oh, they're there, they're not there. And then I started to explore more of that. What was it about it? Was there something acerbic about it or was it too sweet? Is it that this isn't really a vegetable, it's a fruit and there's just some weird like middle ground that the tomato holds or that it's too juicy or that it's, you know, I don't know what it was, but I allowed myself to kind of open up to it and get past the hatred of it and fear of it and grew to really enjoy tomatoes, you know. And so let's let's think of some things that kind of fall into place there that I have had to work on for music and one would be smooth jazz. Um I'm a big jazz fan. I have been since I was a kid my dad, you know, was kind of a light jazz player at times and loved jazz. My mom was really into jazz. And so we listened to it a lot and Yet there are jazz forms that I absolutely love, like late 50s into early 60s, that period I absolutely love. There's other kinds, certain types of vocal jazz I like, Uh, you know, others that really rub me the wrong way. Uh, Fusion, a lot of fusion I like, Uh, you know, there's various kinds of jazz that I can get into that I have gotten into. But I remember back again, this would be in college when, uh, you know, the smooth jazz was sort of becoming more of a big thing. This was, you know, after uh, Kenny G had started to hit it big and, and all of that stuff. And I always felt like this was, and I'll say it because I'm trying, this is exactly what we're getting into, a poor man's jazz. It was like, all right, so let's find the lowest common denominator of what makes something jazz and do that. And let's also suck as much energy out of it as possible. And when you're into like, you know, bebop and hard bop and fusion and even avant garde and all of that stuff, you are used to things moving quickly and having energy and going places that are weird, you know, but that also come back to the the central theme and, and really tie it all together. And to me, like a Sanborn or a Kenny G or so many other people, and yet and this is the interesting thing. And this is where I think you can find a way to get over the hatred. I was really into George Winston, which, okay, you'll say that's new age. But when you listen to George Winston and the stuff that he was doing, and I guess is doing still, it, it had a very kind of uh, jazzy base to it in the sense of there was improvisation there. It wasn't just straight out composition. And it was also very kind of, I mean, it was energetic and interesting and he did quirky things with it but it was light you know it's it's it wasn't like it was slamming you in the face with anything so why is it i can absolutely love that and listen to smooth jazz and be like i i feel like i need to have my head over a toilet i don't know except for the fact that there is something inside of it that is causing a reaction in me that I need to explore more. And what I've found is that there are types of, over the years, types of smooth jazz. It's not so much the genre, and this is why I say music is not a genre, it's the artist. Let's say if you even go to like mushroom jazz or acid jazz or things like that, that's relatively smooth. It's also relatively, it doesn't uh, go far afield as far as improvisation and things like that. So why isn't that also a form of smooth jazz? I mean, there is a tangential connection there. So it might just be the quality of well the type of saxophone that's being used in a certain smooth jazz song or the type of keyboard that's being used or whatever it is, and at the same time, I'll listen to a, a musak version of something. And if you don't know Muzak, look it up. It's like elevator music, basically, and and find kind of a kitschy cool to it that I enjoy. So is it that I hate smooth jazz or is it that I'm just particular about the kinds of smooth ish jazzy ish things that I like? The same really for me, and I'll give you this one more example because pop fast, pop fast, pop fast. and that's um, pop country. And I'm specifying that because there have been a lot of forms of country that have existed, and uh, many of which I have listened to or dabbled in and enjoyed. Pop country over the years is something that I have just not been able to get into. And it's in part because. Uh, I find myself to be kind of forward thinking and progressive. And I don't mean like in the sense of progressive music, but I mean in the sense of well, what's coming next, what's up on the horizon, what's happening right now that can be used. And uh, one of the hallmarks of, of pop country, and, and I'm, I really want to say this without judgment, is that it pulls on forms and styles from the rock and pop world from 10, 15, 20 years prior to whenever it's made and that's what i hear i can hear uh the you know some big pop country hit so god that sounds exactly like something that happened in sort of the you know rock world 15 years before whatever it is now uh globally speaking you know objectively speaking so what Time is meaningless or whatever it should be. And so why not? If the song is good, it should be good no matter what time it comes out. So that is a personal bias of mine of being like, well, you're retreading stuff that people did before you are you making this easy. And yet at the same time, maybe there's a jealousy there because so much of the music i do is that forward thinking music is that let's let's find something to make it a little more interesting or or you know pushing the envelope or whatever it is and maybe a part of me just wants to be like ah oh, just you know screw it let me just do some you know three or four chord song and simple structure, you know, uh, verse, verse, chorus, uh, you know, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, whatever, and be done with it. And then just do all the songs that way, you know, because that's what a lot of pop country does. So I think some of it is that sense of, well, that's not fair, you know. And I found that to be the case uh, 20 some years ago with a lot of pop R&B where it was like, uh, you're just retreading stuff that had been done before. And and I don't really hear a lot of uh, newness in certain types of that. Not all of it, of course. And and I started to think, well, isn't it interesting that some of the tropes that you hear in pop country and pop r and are very similar? And then 20 years later, it's like the r and and country worlds merged and you have all of these brand new young artists kind of doing an amalgam of those things, which... I remember thinking, you know, was already happening in its own way 20 years before and didn't really enjoy any of it. So I think that's something, you know, that I need to explore because there's plenty of country hits from the 1970s in particular. That that was sort of for me the heyday of like pop country that I really enjoy and still like. So what makes them different from stuff that happened like post- You know, uh, Garth Brooks and Reba and, you know, that era uh, in, you know, I mean, Lyle Lovett's a little different, but that kind of thing where country was becoming like a super popular thing and you would have line dancing in New Jersey, you know, and things like that. Something I should explore more because I know people personally who are fans of it and who are, you know, fans of some of the bigger artists. And then you can even say like a Taylor Swift who has gone so far from pop country in so many ways, that, that in some ways, she almost kind of brought me into appreciating it more. But that also has to do with the fact that, and I'm going to say this because it's me. There's a lot of lyrical fricking laziness in pop country. There's a lot of falling on the damn, you know, uh, you know, broken, you're drinking a beer and all this stuff. And now it's very politicized and that's a shame. But even if it wasn't politicized, it's, it's really, to me, feels like pandering. So when you get somebody like a Taylor Swift or someone else who really contemplates the lyrics and tries to throw something different in there, I appreciate that you can have pop country hits that, you know, go for, and, and I mean, I think I want to say, is it Shania Twain? I don't know. There's some other hit from like the 2000s that I can't remember that I was like, oh yeah, no, this is a good song. And that's the thing. There are going to be good songs in genres you don't like if you're open to that. But as you can see, I'm conflicted. So it's something I need to explore, right? Now, the general touchstone I'm going to use for this, for many of you, hopefully not all of you, is hip-hop. And and I always wonder what people think of the breadth of the music that I cover in Music Is Not a Genre, because I'm often on forums, and it's, let's be honest, sometimes a conversation happens, but it's mostly because I want to promote the podcast, right? And so I'll get in a forum, perfect example, a season or two ago, I did one on Stone Temple Pilots, oh, Death Is Dumb. For a while and, and uh, got on the forum, and the 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 people on there, and I will say mostly white guys were very like anti everything else, basically. Or another perfect example, and I think I mentioned this maybe in my catch up episode where the lead singer of Five Finger Death Punch at the Metallica concert who they opened for them was doing this beautiful family thing and then all of a sudden mentioned, you know, like they don't do this at hip hop shows. And I'm like, whoa, where the hell did that come from? You turn this beautiful moment into something super biased and frankly racist, I think. And so I wonder what you, any of you think who are particular, like when I get into a, a rock band because I love them and want to talk about them, but then the next, you know, next, town over the next episode, I do a George Michael or something like that, or I do British hip hop. Are you like, I'm out, I can't do this. And I understand that not every episode is for everybody. But what I want to challenge you is if you are one of those people who, you know, from time last 40 years or more has said that hip hop is quote unquote, not music, or it's the lowest common denominator music or whatever else you say about hip hop, A, There's a 100% chance you haven't heard enough of it because there's so many different forms of hip hop and continue to be new forms that there's something there that I guarantee you if you looked hard enough, you would find something you liked, even if it was begrudgingly. And that might open up a world. There have been times where I wasn't into a genre and I found one song that I liked and then all of a sudden I just dived into that genre like crazy starting with that song then that artist then another artist and on and on and on and i and i find that if we are allowing ourselves to have cultural and social issues enter into our like or dislike of music we're doing the music a disservice as well as the people and that's hard because everything's connected like i say music itself is not a genre it's connected to the world so how do we reconcile that feeling of Well, there's a, there's certain, like, for example, pop country, uh, some of it, and I'll just say some of it, Morgan Wallen, whatever is conservative and is deliberately conservative, but that doesn't mean all of it is. So where do I come off judging it based on the fact that I'm just not a fan or I'm not a fan of, you know, Kid Rock's music because Kid Rock is conservative. Well, maybe there are probably songs in Kid Rock's catalog that I, you know, ball with the ball, whatever I enjoy, you know but i can't get over my bias that comes in culturally and socially my challenge would be don't let that happen with a genre like hip hop that is so broad that it's impossible to even call it a genre anymore figure it out because now there's even country hip hop you know like you got to you got to be open to the idea that again the thing you hate the most probably contains something you secretly love that you're secretly connected to, and you're either ashamed of it or embarrassed about it or you're uncomfortable with it. Uh, I find, you know, and this may be overused, but there's a lot of, there's been a lot of talk over the decades of people who are, you know, who have like latent homosexual tendencies or are bisexual or who have like certain, you know, um, the, the sexuality is a spectrum. And you can fall you can be internally exactly like one other person but if externally your surface response is distaste and hatred or shame or whatever it is that's causing you to protest too much then you're denying that part of yourself as opposed to embracing it and celebrating it and all of that and I think the same thing happens with music I think I think we need to to you know feel like well wait a minute and this is the whole crux of this. Why do we hate this particular artist or thing? Why, why, do I, why do I not want to hear the name Nickelback? I guarantee you if I listen to an album of Nickelbacks, I'd probably pick two to three songs that I liked from that album. I just know it. And I need to spend the time and the space and the, you know, open the heart to do that. You know, And even though you might be like, well, there's plenty of music in the world. Why take the time out to do that? Just listen to what you like. That's how we get into the state we're in, where we just factionalize to the point where I like what I like. You like what you like. You stay away from me. I'll stay away from you. As opposed to, let me dip my toe in there and see if there is something I like. And then all of a sudden, all these connections open up. Funny story uh, having a couple of conversations lately with uh, my lovely wife uh, and producer uh, here, co-producer. and she says I have a habit of vehemently stating my opposition to something, but then if she says something that is that, that's uh, like a valid truthful point about that particular thing, I will immediately uh, acknowledge that point. You know, I I might not completely you know switch my opinion of everything, but I'm not going to take a stance that denies the truth. You know, I I I have this thing. Where I I'm not interested in winning a fight. I'm interested in in finding the truth, and that is a difficult thing for us to put down. You know, to to be like it's not about being right or wrong or being on the winning side it's about finding the truth of something and and that's how we open up to new music that's how we open up to understanding why hatred is always going to be the flip side of the coin you know when it when it comes to love and so to to sum this up and to, you know it carries over beyond music and it's something soup if we can just start with something as seemingly innocuous as music it can lead to openings so many other places in in life, right? And in our own psyche and just us being more comfortable with ourselves and what we really do love. So my question for you is what bands or genres can you not stand? What exactly is it about them that you hate so much? How might those elements of dislike be connected to something you actually love? I'm going to state those questions again. What bands or genres or songs can you not stand? not not indifference, you can't stand them, you hate them. What exactly is it about them that you hate so much? Define it. Don't just say, ah, I can't stand it because blah, 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 it's noise. What is it about it that sounds more like noise to you than music or whatever the question is? How, and the third, how might those elements of dislike actually be connected to something you love? That's if you can do it in that order, those three questions in that order, you're going to discover some things. I'm going to leave you with that, and I'm going to leave you with a featured song that is that is sort of like that. Uh, it's an instrumental version of Elton John's Rocket Man. Uh, I don't dislike the song, I don't dislike Elton John, but I you know I have a bit, I had a bit of a bias towards like the certain kinds of music from the 70s, but it's a song that was appropriate for a movie that I was working on. And so I wanted to kind of almost paradise it, but but in a loving way. And I created sort of this trippy-dippy, you know, sitar version of it with a, a co-producer of mine. Is now on the album Long Held Grudges. It's streaming everywhere. And you'll hear it in the next few seconds. Thank you for hanging with me on this 12th pod fast i'm really glad by the way that pod that pod fast and i are good are good friends because God, geez just settle down okay talk to you next time